Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They like to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Season Saviors is sponsored by DHS Press. For all the news Titans need to know, make sure to check out, check out Titans Travel to France by Michael Godek. Um, and make sure to also check out Fantasy Football Talk for this week by me uh, for week six, who to start, who to sit, and who to pick up off the waiver wire. Hello and welcome to another episode of Season Saviors, uh, Season 2, Episode 4. I'm Ian Whitfield, joined here by Shane Riley. Shane, you ready to get into it? Oh, I'm very excited, Ian. Another great week of fantasy football. Um, let's go ahead and jump right into it, starting with our standouts. Um, number one is Gerald Everett, Ian. Uh, yeah, tight end for the Los Angeles Rams. It's actually a player who hasn't really shown out, in a, which is weird, especially in such an offense that is so has been so potent over the past few seasons. But Everett has really kind of came into his own here in the past two weeks. He... Uh, has gone over eight targets and 15 fantasy points in back-to-back games as he actually went north of 20 last week and was the number two tight end last week. Goff has really started to turn his attention to the big uh, athlete, Shane. Um, Everett has really started to get involved, especially with Cooks not being there. And for me, it's a little difficult to trust Everett just because it's in this Rams offense and Cooper Cup is the only player that I'm 100% certain about in this offense. And I am even still have question marks with Todd Gurley, but... I don't know about you, but Everett for me is right now just a tight end two, a mid-tier tight end two, and you could kind of throw in for some bye weeks. Yeah, um, as long as Cooks is sidelined, uh, which has been for most of this season, you know, uh, Everett has shined, and he's a solid plug-in option for starting tight ends, especially since it is a very, very thin uh, position this season, um, you know, outside of Kittle and Kelsey and uh, – Sorry, the guy on Zach the Raiders. Raiders. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy on the Raiders. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Waller. Yeah. Um, he he does have some major potential for a very thin uh, position in tight end to really shine and yeah. fill him and in. And especially when you have we have buys really starting to kick up now. Uh, we have buys with actually a lot of teams starting to pick up. So I actually, me this week, did this exact same thing. I had uh, Derek Waller on my team who I picked up at the start of the season. Great pickup, obviously, and worked has worked out really, really well for me. But I look on. I'm in a. We're in a deep league, Shane. What are we? 14 teams in our friend yeah. league. Yeah, we're 14 teams. So it's a very deep. It's a deep, deep league, and it's hard to find a tight end on the waiver wire like that. So the fact that Gerald Everett was available for me in deep leagues is, I think, the right way to turn. And I would turn to him, or if, uh, maybe Herndon on the Jets, if he is actually playing this week after his suspension. But he is questionable as of right now with Darnold so, coming back yeah and Darnold's coming back and he was putting up tight end one numbers with him in the lineup but anyways heading into our second standout now Shane Adam Thielen 32 points against the Giants um he's he's currently ranked wide receiver 12 and with the Vikings starting to pass more both Thielen and Diggs our value is going to go up tremendously yeah and Kirk Cousins has started to actually pick it up a little bit here in, in the past couple weeks, and I think it has to go with the fact that both Diggs and Thielen, more Diggs than Thielen, obviously, with all the trade rumors and stuff like that, were verbally expressing their frustration around the play calling that uh, the Vikings were having, and 
around their lack of usage in the lineup. And I think Mike Zimmer kind of took note of this, and I think he switched it up a little bit. Obviously, it's I'm I'm not saying Thielen and Diggs are set like they're set for the rest of the season. These guys are going to put up low end wide receiver one, high end two numbers. But for me, Thielen right Thielen's ahead of Diggs for me. I know there's some people that would disagree with that, but I still I think Thielen is still ahead of Diggs, and I put him in mid mid to high wide receiver two range right now with Diggs at the low end of two with um, mid-level flex appeal for me. And it just goes down to the fact that Dalvin Cook has been so good so far this year. Yeah, he's definitely shown out uh, being healthy this year, and he's been the centerpiece of that offense. Yeah, he's getting over six catches a game, or in most of the game, or over, we'll go four. We'll go over four catches a game. He's putting he's put up 100 rushing yards in every single game besides one this year, and he's the number three rushing running back right now. So for me, they're still both Thielen and Diggs are still complementary pieces to Dalvin Cook, but I think Adam Thielen has the potential to, if if they follow the same game plan, be a mid to level uh, wide receiver too for the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. He he has that volume uh, potential as in recent years mm-hmm. he's been their go to guy. So he's going to be the number one yeah. receiver for that team. Diggs it, has been way more boomer bust than yeah. Thielen for sure. Getting into our uh, last standout is Sony Michelle, Ian. Uh, yeah, Sony Michelle is a guy that I drafted in two of my three leagues. Um, he really has not been good for most parts of this year until they just played uh, the Washington Redskins, and naturally, which makes sense, Michelle comes out and puts up 5.7 yards per carry against a team that is just terrible. Like, there's no other way to say it. They're right there with the Miami Dolphins. They might be a little bit higher, and you could put them at 31, but they're not that much better and this week they take on a Giants team who is frankly like their rush defense isn't that bad it's about middle of the pack with Mm -hmm. fantasy points allowed to running back I think they're actually 17 so it's literally like as close as you can get without being the actual middle so Michelle for me this week I really like a lot because I think the Patriots are going to dominate the Giants and I think he's going to get a lot of touches and but the thing that scares me the most, Shane, about Sony Michelle is I'm not confident in him at all. I think he's just a flex play, a pure flex play. And it goes down to the fact that he gets no catches out of the backfield. He's also a, going forward, he's a very touchdown dependent uh, running back, yeah. which, which is which is not something you want to see out of a guy because the, the Patriots spread the ball around the field a lot. Oh, yeah. They're, they're using all their guys, and whoever's going off that game, they're going to continue they to give them, them the ball. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Tom Brady's been throwing the ball, you know, 40 times a game. And if Sonny Michelle isn't getting any of those touches, then his his ceiling of opportunity is not that high. Yeah, and I 100% agree with you. He's, Michelle has three touchdowns in his last four games. And in those games, it's not like he's those touchdowns are putting him north of 20. Those touchdowns are putting him in the double digits. So without those touches, and he's not getting catches out of the backfield, yes, he's getting north of 10 carries a game. He might be right under 20 above 10 in that range for carries a game but he's not going off with these carries like he's not putting up four yards per carry or something he's going like barely north of three if not under three in some of these games where a couple uh, a couple weeks back I think in week three he was nine carries for 11 yards Mm -hmm. and his only saving grace was the fact he had a touchdown but that still only brought him to eight points or something like that yeah so and last week he had three catches and that was those were the first receptions he had this year so for me a guy averaging 9.7 fantasy points per game, that number's a little skewed because one point in week one, 30 points in this past week. It's hard to kind of judge that. But still, 9.7 fantasy points per game, 
and then a guy that's touchdown dependent in this Patriot offense with Burkhead and White, who are both stealing receptions and carries, he's no more than a flex for me for majority of the season, unless, of course, they play a team like Miami or the Giants. Yeah, you don't feel insanely confident starting them. No, not at all. Yeah, and getting into our bust now, Ian, uh, starting with Greg Olson. Um, Greg Olson has recently gone quiet in the last two weeks, especially this week where he didn't even receive a catch. Um, in his last two weeks, he has had a combined two catches for five yards. Um, in, in my opinion, I thought as though he would be, act as a safety blanket for a Kyle Allen, who was a very inexperienced quarterback coming in for the Panthers. Um, but he just did not take on that role as they're just still going to Christian McCaffrey every time. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey is obviously the the security blanket for Kyle Allen, and Greg Olson has not, as you've already mentioned, has not really been productive under him. And for me, Greg Olson, I am a little scared about, especially in, uh, yes, I'm not saying you bench Greg Olson or you uh, demote him to, or drop him to the waiver or anything like that, especially in such a shallow position, like as we mentioned numerous times already, as we actually have a really tight end heavy uh, show today with three in our uh, starts and, or standouts and bust already. But, Greg Olson for me is just a low is a mid-level tight end two, low end tight end two with high level flex appeal if you want that. But it's just it's just scary for me to play Greg Olson with Kyle Allen just because every quarterback's different. Kyle if Kyle Allen Kyle Allen is not really about tight ends, then I just don't see how Greg Greg Olson's really going to be successful. Oh, I agree. Uh Outside of the top five tight ends, there's really been a lot of struggles at that position. It's very thin this year. It's yeah. kind of disappointing. Uh, into our next guy, uh, as we're continuing this tight end train, uh, Delaney Walker. Yeah, Delaney Walker is a guy that typically every year you can kind of depend on, minus he does have some injury issues, but when he's healthy, is a guy you can really depend on. But he has really struggled in these past couple weeks. Yes, he was up against a very solid Bills defense. He was held to one catch, and he's been held to one catch in the past two weeks now. It's a little concerning, especially as um, we've mentioned over past podcasts. There is some depth in the uh, Titan wide receiving core with A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, and it's hard for Walker to kind of get involved in these offenses, especially in an offense where Marcus Mariota isn't the best passer in the world, and he hasn't really turned to Delaney Walker to be, one, a safety blanket, or two, just a go-to option for him, even though he was in the first two weeks. He just hasn't been that since. Oh, um, absolutely. I think Walker's finding less and less targets as the season has progressed, and to me it's just hard to trust him. And as you were saying, Marcus Mariota has, since he's found himself in the NFL, has not been, not been consistent throwing the ball. As I think almost every year his touchdowns and interceptions are literally identical. Yeah. Um, and that hurts when the quarterback is turning over the ball. And his fan- it also hurts his fantasy value that both A.J. Brown and Corey Davis have shown great promise through the most, for, through the most recent weeks. Yeah, both A.J. Brown, especially A.J. Brown and Corey Davis to some extent, have actually been really turning it on here as we've looked in the past couple weeks. But the thing that, for me, I'm more okay with Greg Olson at, a, at the tight end position than Delaney, sorry, Delaney Walker. And it, it, it just goes down to the sheer fact that I think Greg Olson has shown consistency when healthy compared to Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker, every even when he is healthy, still has some struggles with volume. And he was more of a 
touchdown dependent. Not I don't want to say touchdown dependent because but he because he did have big plays and that's really what um, would rescue his fantasy value and stuff like that. Where Greg Olson was more of a target kind of guy. Yeah, as well as uh, if Cam Newton does come back to that Panthers offense, Greg Greg Olson Olson will skyrocket. Was one of his favorite targets. Yeah, rightfully so too. If he gets his job back, of course. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. So heading into our final bust for the week, um, Mike Evans, Shane, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver. Mike Evans is just not the go-to guy in Tampa Bay anymore. He racked up zero catches, uh, similar to Greg, very, you know, exactly what Greg Olson did in Week 5, on only three targets. His counterpart, Chris Godwin, put up seven catches uh, for 125 yards and two, and two touchdowns. He is now the number one in Tampa Bay. I agree with you. Uh, mm, I almost want to call them neck and neck, and it's only because Mike Evans is still such a big-name player that it's you can't just like completely ignore a guy like that. Yes, I'm not saying big names are just what is going to make a team turn around, but you're you still got to look at the fact that Mike Evans is currently the 14th ranked fantasy wide receiver. He's averaging 16 fantasy points per game. Chris Godwin is being way better than that. I'm not saying he's not. Which but oh, there's a completely different branch right here, but that reason right there sheer alone is why OJ Howard needs to be on the waiver wire is because both of these guys are so good, really. And Jameis Winston is a good enough thrower of the or a passer of the football that he can get Chris Godwin, who is just a great target, is seven catches, 125 yards, and two touchdowns last week. And Mike Evans, who the week before this, obviously this was a very disappointing week for him. He still had four receptions for 89 yards and a touchdown, which is still, even without the touchdown, a 13-point fantasy week. And then before that, of course, the massive week, eight receptions, 190 yards for three touchdowns and 45 fantasy points, which... For me, just the fact that th- those two big games right there alone doesn't make me scared at all about Mike Evans. I think Mike Evans is still, for me, a extremely high-end wide receiver, too, with the sheer bottom of wide receiver one. But I'm actually kind of scared to put him in the wide receiver one conversation. And I think Chris Godwin, who one of my pl- favorite players going into the season, was hands down is hands down a wide receiver one right now. Absolutely. I, I think I disagree. I don't think Mike Evans is that that high of a receiver anymore. I mm-hmm. think I think his ceiling has really dropped since since the emer- emergence of Chris Godwin. Oh yeah, Chris Godwin is going to be a menace actually in the years to come, I believe. But now we're going to head into our starts for the week. I'm actually going to start us off here. I'm going to go Kyler Murray, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Murray's been great so far this year. He's quietly a top 10 fantasy quarterback, which not a lot of people know. I was actually taken by surprise when I saw that. He's coming off a 25.4 point performance against the Bengals. And this week he comes up against a very friendly quarterback matchup against the Falcons. The the Falcons have been the fourth friendliest team to fantasy quarterbacks, allowing the fourth most fantasy points to quarterbacks per game. And over the past four weeks, four, sorry, over the past four opposing quarterbacks they faced, 20 fantasy points. Both all the quarterbacks have gone north of 20 fantasy points. So for me, Murray easily with his legs and in a game where they're probably going to have to end up passing the ball a lot is there are some question marks surrounding David Johnson and his injuries right now. Murray, for me, can easily go north of 25 and even become a top three quarterback this week, top three quarterback play this week and go north of 30, in my opinion. 
yeah, I definitely think Kyler Murray is, is a very solid fantasy quarterback, especially that he can run, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. Very mobile. Um, my first start is Carlos Hyde versus the Chiefs. Um, he leads the way in Houston as he had uh, 20. He rushed the ball 21 times last week, and he scored a touchdown against um, – I'm drawing a blank on who they played. But uh, he's, a, he's an RB2 uh, or a flex play this week, I think. Um, he's definitely not in the RB1 conversation. Those, that's no, a, you can't. Those are, those are the elite running backs. But this Chiefs defense has surrendered 133 yards on the ground per game. With They're very banged up as Chris Jones went down in their, in, in their last game, and, it's, and they're, they're giving up 5.3 yards a carry to run, running backs. I, I just, it's a very smart yeah. play to I go mean, with him. I mean, any running back against the Chiefs for me is a great play. And this, and this Houston offense has looked really good as they put up 50 points against Atlanta. Yeah, it's looked really, really good. Um, my second start is Chris Thompson, running back Washington Redskins. A guy that I'd said the bench last week, he did only have nine points, but that was against a extremely stout New England Patriots team, and he still showed that he can be that nine points isn't good, but he can still be productive. He's nearly he's nearly a top twenty fantasy running back. He's twenty one at the moment. He is against a he's against the Dolphins this week, which and the Dolphins listen to this have allowed nine touchdowns to running backs through four games this season. That is terrible. Chris, Chris, Chris Thompson, two a game. yeah, Chris Thompson is guaranteed a touchdown this week, at least. Not to mention the fact he's probably going to go north of five receptions like he typically does, and he's probably going to get some solid yardage on that too. Not to mention that he's also a running back, so he'll get rushing yards. So you're looking at at least 15 points. I'm looking at at least 15 points, if not 20, and is a low end running low end running back one, high end running back two this week. And for me, I'm actually starting at my flex just because I already have two other good running backs. But for me, he is a hands-down must-start, no questions asked this week. All right. My second, my second start is actually the opposite running back, which really? is weird that I'm actually saying to start a Dolphin. I never yeah. thought I'd say this. But he was a top-20 fantasy back last season. Um, I think he is a flex play. I don't think he's if, – if you, you can find two better running backs on your, on your team. Otherwise, you're in real trouble. Um, but this Redskins un- unit has given up an average of 160 scrimmage yards and the seventh most fantasy points to opposing runners this year. So I definitely think that Kenyon Drake um, could potentially have a breakout game, especially since both teams uh, do not have a win yet. So they have something to play for here, and I think that this Miami Dolphins offense could actually show something for once this week. Yeah, you could look at it the other way, though, and they're both trying to tank a little bit for that number one pick. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? We'll see how it plays out. Um, heading into my final start this week, uh, DJ Moore, wide receiver, Carolina Panthers. Your Carolina Panthers, Shane. Uh, Moore faces off against the Buccaneer team, who, as we've always mentioned, as everyone knows, it's almost always a shootout. And they're, the Buccaneers are allowing a league-leading 45.1 fantasy points per game to wideouts. And Moore has emerged as the number one wide receiver in Carolina. And Tampa Bay is also one of only three teams to allow over 200 passing yards per game to opposing wide receivers as well. So Moore, who's averaging 13.3 fantasy points per game, had nearly 18 last time they played the Buccaneers and can easily um, surpass that number in a game where he's going to rack up yards, especially as they're going to go probably go north of that 200 number and probably get a lot of receptions too as they're giving up so many fantasy points. So for me, Moore is definitely an elite play this week. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. I can't imagine what Chris McCaffrey is going to put up this week either. Jeez, it's crazy. My la- my final start is uh, Terry McLaurin, uh, a guy that we often mention on this on this fantasy podcast. As um, he's great. Yeah, uh, coming back. You know, he was hurt for a little bit, but I think he's back up to full health, and he's going against the worst defense in the NFL. I can confidently say that. Oh yes. Um, 
it has he has cooled off a little bit, but he's still a very good flex option. Wide receiver three, depending on you know how your how your fantasy team or fantasy league is set. Um, but he 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 had a touchdown through the first three games. Um, he he's the Redskins' number one receiver, and they're going up against the worst defense in the NFL. So. There really isn't much to argue here. I think that he is a must-start this week. Oh, yeah, 100%. And now we're going to switch to the opposite side of the spectrum. Do not start, Shane. LaShawn McCoy, for me, running back, Kansas City Chiefs. And it comes down to the fact that the Texans are not a super tough running back matchup. I'm not saying they are. But it's really about kind of what's happening in Kansas City. Damian Williams is obviously the number one. Now that he's healthy and he's back and he's getting touches, LaShawn McCoy is only averaging 5.6 fantasy points per week when Damian Williams is healthy and in the lineup. So even though McCoy is a, currently a top 25 fantasy running back, I you can't start him when Williams is healthy. And when Williams is healthy, McCoy is nothing more than a sheer bench, bottom of the bench kind of guy. And it's it's sad to see such a talented running back in that scenario, but it's true. And for Damian Williams owners, like you're a little fearful because he hasn't been putting up great numbers, but you can at least confidently start, start him knowing he is the number one running back. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Definitely. I think that LaShawn McCoy, that, you know, J.J. Watts on that defense, that defense is just, it, you know, middle of the pack. It's just someone you can't yeah, feel yeah. 100% confident um, starting your guy. But my first sit is Alshon Jeffrey of the Eagles. They're going against a very, very good Minnesota Vikings defense that has, you know, Xavier Rhodes um, that will likely be on um, Alshon Jeffrey for a majority of the game. And he could lose targets to Deshaun Jackson if he returns to action this week. And Minnesota's defense has allowed the third fewest yards per catch at 10.3 to wideouts this season. So I just don't see how this is a favorable matchup for yeah. Alshon yeah, Jeffrey, for sure. and you have to look elsewhere. Yeah, I actually have Alshon Jeffrey as well. Um, Jeffrey is only averaging 11 fantasy points per game, but he, this week he comes in as a, against a top-tier defense in Minnesota, as you mentioned also. Um, Jeffrey has never really been able to get it going against the Vikings in his career. And in his past two meetings against them, he's only recorded three catches for 49 yards and no touchdowns. So in two games, he's you're looking at 7.9 fantasy points, and that's divided by two. You're looking at about four fantasy points per game. Obviously, Xavier Rhodes is just locked down. There's no other way to say it. So for me, Alshon Jeffrey is definitely demoted to the low-end flex category if you even want to play him but for me I'm not starting him and I have him in one league and there's no way I'm putting him in my roster just because he's he is really does not get that much volume on the Eagles he gets like three four catches a week and you're playing for a touchdown or a big play honestly yeah and it's just scary for me he really needs to rack up with the long catches for touchdowns um my second sit is Jarvis Landry um coming off of a you know decent <laughs> decent performance uh Jarvis Landry is only had four catches and he hasn't scored a touchdown over his first five games. Um, this goes along with the fact that Baker Mayfield has not even been the same Baker quarterback. Baker Mayfield terrible. Not even close to what he was at all last year in his rookie season. So it's very concerning, especially since Odell Beckham is also on this team. So 
you know, he's going to get a good amount of targets. And they're going up against a Seattle Seahawks defense that is, you know, has been good for the last, I don't know, five years. They're, yeah, they're good against opposing wideouts. I just don't see how Landry could even be considered a, a very safe play this week at all. I yeah. think sit him if you don't if you have anyone else. Yeah, Jarvis Landry is definitely a very unsure play with that Browns offense who is just so many question marks. But heading into my last sit for the week, Todd Gurley, running back for the Los Angeles Rams. I'm not saying Todd Gurley should be on your bench unless you're in a very shallow league. But in very deep leagues, there's you can't really bench Todd Gurley. But I'm saying maybe you got you have to keep a realistic mindset with him starting. So if you do have another viable option or someone who would be a more, better stream this week, start him. And it goes down to the sheer fact that he is touched on dependency is everything with this guy this season, which is the complete opposite of what we saw last season, which was he was getting like eight catches a game, going north of 100 rushing yards every game. And was going like 20 fantasy points without touchdowns, which is insane. But he's only gone north of 65 rushing yards once this year. And that was in week one. Besides that, he has not gone again above the 65 mark. He draws a super favorable matchup against the 49, unfavorable matchup, sorry, unfavorable matchup against the 49ers this week, who have allowed the second fewest fantasy points per game to opposing running backs, only 13.7, and are yet to allow a touchdown all year to running backs. If there's any team that's going to be able to change it, it's the Rams. But with that said, this 49ers defense, Shane, is the real deal. Todd Gurley has not looked good, and he's sharing touches too. Like, not complete split. It's more like an 80-20. But he is sharing touches with Malcolm Brown on that team. So it's a little scary to, to try to put Gurley in your lineup with extreme confidence saying, yep, we're looking at running back one numbers this week, even though he is currently a top 15 running back somehow, which I'm not really sure how, but yeah, I, I definitely think there's plenty of options at running back. You know, even even some of the running backs on the 49ers. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a, so many options. That is there. a really good committee with Tevin Coleman and Matt Bryda. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think my third sit is kind of a, a weird one, too, as I'm going with Jameis Winston as a sit. You know, they've been they've taken in a lot of uh, shootouts this year, so that's a lot of fantasy points, but... Winston has produced 17 plus fantasy points in three straight games. That is very that is very good. So I'm I really think he's going to fall off fall off as the Panthers defense has allowed an average of fewer than 15 fantasy points per game to enemy quarterbacks this season. Um, I think Brian Burns and Luke Keekley and this defense has really started to uh, show off as Dante Jackson has returned. He's back to full health in in that secondary and. He, through his whole career, eight starts against Carolina, he has not performed well. Um, he's finished fewer, has finished as the QB 14 or worse in all of these. Yeah. Yeah, Jameis Winston is definitely a good stream in some weeks as he is a very heavy passing quarterback. But uh, that's all I – I can't trust him with uh, confidence. But heading into my wa- waiver wire pickups now, uh, I'm going to go Chris Hendren, tight end for the New York Jets. The tight end position, as we've mentioned numerous times, Shane – does not have a lot of depth to it. Chris Hendren is a possible tight end one that is still on the waiver wire and is only owned to 27% of ESPN leagues. If you're in one of those leagues, I just give him a, a pickup and just stash him on the back of your bench just for the sheer fact that Sam Darnold's now coming back. He's coming back from his um suspension and, or sorry, Chris Herndon. Sorry, I was saying Hendren, I think. But Chris Herndon was putting up tight end one numbers at the end of the season with Darnold at his quarterback. And this week they do play a Cowboys team who's been actually really generous against tight ends 
And I don't know if he's actually going to play this week, as even though he his suspension is over, he's listed as questionable. But if Herndon does play, he's a good play this week. And I think for the rest of the season, you could see Herndon really turn it on and almost maybe put up some like Will Disley numbers here on Seattle and just a guy that kind of popped out of nowhere. You're like, oh, like nice, I have this guy on my bench. Yeah, I'm going to go with my waiver wire pickup as uh, A.J. Brown, uh, wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. I think that uh, he's owned in 23% of leagues. Um, he, has, he, had, he had a quiet game in Week 5 with only two receptions for 27 yards. But we've also seen his upside on more than one occasion this year, as in Week 1 he turned three receptions into 100 yards, and in Week 4 he turned 94 yards. He had 94 yards and two touchdowns. Um, his workload has been a bit of an issue as he's not seeing the volume, but when he is getting the ball, he's able to to go for those deep plays. Um, I think he is kind of a boomer bust player, but he's a guy that you can stash um, on your team as he's only owned in less than a fourth of the league. Yeah, so that's actually all we have today for uh, Season Saviors. I'm Ian Whitfield, joined here by Shane Riley. Make sure to tune in next week for Episode 5. Yeah, Episode 5, and make sure to check out DHS Press for all the news that Titans need to know. Thank you. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487.